Hey, How's it hey. Going, everybody. And again, Max, I am doubly excited because. Oh, you're excited. Yeah, this is our second week with our dear friend of 35 years, yes. the great American film director John McNaughton. A guest so nice, we had him twice. Had twice, exactly. And yeah, that's that's not that's not a it's not a common thing. I I think we've only had another one person Penn, on the podcast Gillette. twice. Yeah, and it was yeah. a two-parter, but but that was different. That was like all in one session. We've never invited yeah. a guest next week. I well, mean, we only got about halfway through his film career. That's and that's we, true. Yeah, we stopped before. Um, wild things, and before uh, sp- speaking of sex, yeah, yeah, yeah. normal life, uh, condo painting, yeah, Lansky, normal yeah. life, which I was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't blink. Hey, neighbor, you know, <laughs> you know, I delivered that like a fucking champ. John can tell you. You know, I, I was thinking, I was going into this. I'm like, well, wild things that has a good sex scene, but normal life has a good sex scene too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, what? Oh yeah. yeah. That's cool. Normal, normal <laughs> Life also is one of those films of yours, John, that I think, you know, uh, sadly, when people talk about you, they always talk about Wild Things, Mad Dog, and, of course, Henry. Normal Life c- kind of slipped through the cracks, and I think it's in every way a masterpiece. I, I think that um, Luke Perry and Ashley Judd, because I remember the story this is based on, the Ericsons. Yeah, What's that? Yeah. It was a great story. Um, I remember Chicago story. Yeah, uh, being afraid because my sister had just joined the FBI, and uh, the guy Erickson disarmed one of the officers, killed him. Yeah, and uh, tried to shoot his way out of the place. And mm-hmm. then when he realized he he was not going to be able to do it, he just put put the gun in his mouth. But um. I remember being kind of very afraid for my sister because she was going through the gun training. And right. What they do is they give her her three fifty seven, and they send some huge fucking guy to like try to beat her up and take it away from her. And she's got to be able to keep her weapon and uh, discourage, you know, uh, take the guy down. Well, my sister treats it. She's tough, you know. Yeah. And um, but it was it was right about the same time that this happened, and then uh, you made this film not long after that happened. I mean, within ten years. Oh yeah, less than ten years, I believe. Yeah, <clears throat> and I just remember first of all, Luke Perry was a revelation. I had never yeah. seen his, I'd never seen his TV show. I'd never once ever watched it. But people had all kinds of feelings about Luke Perry because at the time he was like it was our throb. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, odd. He was this nineties teen just star, a pretty but he's boy, so you know? cold and 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 grown in this in this. I mean, he looks like man. a grown man. It's, yeah, it's and, very uh, weird. It's... And you know what? Honestly, the best guy you've ever met. Really, I mean, absolute gentleman, and cool. could not have been more kind and just incredibly deep chops. You know, really. Uh, he, I mean, it's one of those. It's one of those films that absolutely. I thought I was the only one who left my cell phone on. <laughs> no, my my went off. I swear, <laughs> I turned it off. Yeah. I, I made some attempt to turn it off, and uh, I guess I failed. Oh, it's earlier. all good. How, it how it happens you, every episode. How did episode. you decide on Luke Perry for normal? You know, life? as always, it's it's funny because I'm teaching at Second City, and they always ask, "Why did you pick this actor and that actor?" And and, and so often, especially for the lead actors, it's a business decision. It's yeah. the you know I was at William Morris Agency at the time, which is now part of WME William Morris Endeavor, and uh, Endeavor is Ari Emanuel, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our mayor's uh, well WME yeah. now that uh, WME William Morris merged with Endeavor to become WME, which is now could be argued that they're neck and neck with CAA in terms of power and Hollywood. Really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Marty Scorsese's there. CAA uh, used to be well, yeah, but they king of you the know, heap. They they. They still are, but it's close. Yeah. It's a close. It's a horse race for certain. Anyway, but I was at William Morris before they merged with Endeavor a long time ago, and <clears throat> I'm trying to remember how I even got the script sent. Probably through the agency, but I, it was a story that Steve Jones and I had wanted to pursue based on the true story, and we couldn't get any traction. And then all of a sudden, the script op drops out of the sky by written by a, a married couple from Brooklyn. Hmm. Uh, uh, what's the, the Ericsons? 
And they had, you know, there was a young woman that worked for the Trib, and she published a story in the Tribune magazine that we were trying to option, but they had already got it and wrote the screenplay. And the screenplay was was really good. So, you know, we didn't get to develop it ourselves, but didn't matter. So screenplay came. I agreed to do it. Steve Jones uh, came on as the producer. And uh, the William Morris Agency was pushing Luke Perry at that time. They were trying, you know, his deal, they wanted, he wanted, he left, I think, CAA to go to Morris because Morris told him they would put him in the movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was at that in those days before cable got really big. All TV actors wanted to become movie stars. Yeah. yeah. So we, you know, we, it turned out that they, it was well, fine. Well, it was line. beginning to happen too. I yeah. mean, Johnny Depp became, you yep. know, kind of blew up. Uh, and, Bruce Willis. Yeah. So Luke was, uh, you know, the, the, it turned out that Fine Line, who was the, the funding body, would make – who was Aaron – what's his name who ran the, the 9021 – oh, the great producer. Oh, Aaron Spelling. Aaron Spelling uh, had some kind of in with uh, Fine Line and he was, you know, pushing yeah. his career. So they said, take Luke Perry and we'll make this movie. And, uh, I, you know, Luke and I had become very good friends, but I, I really wasn't a watcher of 90210, and I thought – nor so I. This, this heartthrob kid. Geez, I had not geez. like ever seen it. You know, but I met him, uh, and I really liked him. Uh, so we we took Luke, yeah. and I didn't know, you know, till I saw him start working. How well? And actually, we rehearsed at the old Mary Archie. Oh uh, no, kidding! Rich Katowski, you know, made us a little deal so we would go in the the old Mary Archie. He's a nice day. guy. Oh, that he's a way. great guy, Rich Katowski. In fact, I believe he sold Luke Perry some guns out of the trunk of the <laughs> yeah, car. Yeah, we cut that scene out, unfortunately. Yeah. But for uh, for Rich, we didn't need the scene. But uh, anyway, so by we, the way, Katowski, just one of the great actors yes, in Chicago. I, I, you, know, you know, he did that Abby Hoffman show for years. He just years. did the, the the show with the. Shannon at the yeah Rock. yeah the um, uh, Trader oh, yeah. uh, the Enesco the something victim or the undefeated victim or, so, yeah we'll we'll look it up so anyway we we took Luke on and uh, I forget how I you know I met Ashley in Cannes at the Cannes Film Festival uh-huh. we were there with Mad Dog and Glory she was just a kid yeah she had done that one film. Uh, some, Ruby or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruby, Ruby in Paradise. Ruby in Paradise, yeah. Uh, but she was, you know, kind of a big sensation because she was a cute young lady. And, yeah, and, and and her mother and yeah. her sister were, were- Big country stars. Naomi and uh, Winona Judd. Yep. Um, so, yeah, um, but she, oh. she, also, she also had something else that had- Going yeah, kind of it, wide it, right yep, before yep, that. I, and I forget yeah. what it was. But it was interesting uh, getting to know Ashley because her mother showed up. She was worried that there were nude scenes, you know, and it's like. Really? Yeah, but Ashley, it, it was a really interesting person because when they were young, before mom and, and sis really made it, you know, they were scraping. It, oh, yeah, they lived in a car for a while, yeah, for a time. They, you know? Ashley said between her and her sister, they only had one pair of shoes. Only one could <laughs> could leave the house at a time. Oh, but by wow, the time wow. she was, by the time she was, you know, a young lady, she, I don't know where she graduated from. It was It was University of Tennessee or University, but I think she's originally from Tennessee. Yeah. But then she went to the Sorbonne to do her graduate work. She speaks, you know, immaculate French. I mean, she's brilliant. Yeah, well, yeah. well there are no dumb judges. Nope. I mean, Naomi was smart. Winona's real smart. Um, you know, and as country music goes, I mean, I always kind of liked yep. Winona Judd. I yep. always thought she was, you She's know. She's pretty good. Yeah. She, I mean, pretty good is, you know, who am I? Is it pretty? She's very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they had this really kind of incandescent chemistry. And... Uh, when they were doing the robberies and stuff, I mean, she was all in. I mean, it was it, yeah. it was crazy yeah. just how you know. Yeah, uh, well, it's funny because and she, he, he did it to open a bookstore to yeah, sell the like real yeah paperbacks. And that, shit, that was so know? fun about the the real story and sad about yeah. poignant. Let's say poignant. Yeah, I mean, they just wanted a good yeah, they, like middle class living. Well, you they, know? they yeah, and, yeah, and she she had. You know, problems. She was diagnosed bipolar. Oh, you think? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and he was this real straight arrow. He was a cop. You know, because we shot in a lot of the real places. Yeah. And we met the real cops that were his co-cops. 
and you know got all the stories. We actually shot in a bank that they robbed, and the guy who was the bank manager was the bank manager when they robbed. Holy it. shit! Uh, wow. So, but you know, they again. Well, the, she showed up with rollerblades for the funeral <laughs> and shit, and that, re- that really happened. Oh, I believe oh, it. That's nuts. <laughs> so. Uh, it was it was just a terribly poignant story, the real story, because all they wanted was a normal life, and I to me it's sort of a precursor to where we are. It was sort of a visionary story because these were two middle class kids. He was working as a cop. She was working as a lab tech at an environmental testing yeah. lab and making a living. And they, you know, she was a little crazy with the spending and the credit cards, and they couldn't. They just couldn't. You know, they they, they were so even. deeply in yeah. debt they would have had to like you know work two jobs each for uh, twelve years to get to zero. Yeah. Uh, so wow. they start, you know, and he was like this. He'd, he'd been in the military. I mean, he was a real disciplined guy. And he started knocking over banks and kept it a secret from her. And this is all the, the true story. It's the same story that's in the movie. And when she found out what he was doing, she was a thrill seeker. Yeah, <laughs> and so absolutely. She, she got off on it. And then they started going together wearing these disguises. And I remember when you turn on the news, you turn on WGN news and there'd be. And they'd, they hit they'd another laugh. bank. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the bearded bandit struck again. And there'd be. Erickson well, they would go all along with the, a Cubs hat. He always yeah. had a Cubs hat. <laughs> they would go all along uh, the interstates and find these little branch yeah. banks. They never got the right. most they ever got was eleven grand. I don't know how they robbed a lot of banks. They may as well have had a job. <laughs> you know what the <laughs> fuck? You know. Well, they, they had, bought a little townhouse. Out, yeah. You know, by the airport, and uh, he opened a used bookstore. Yeah, and it actually some, got an award from the National Book Association. It's wow. the best used bookstore in that yeah, vicinity. Yeah, in so. some shitty strip mall, <laughs> you know. But That's wild. Uh, yeah, it, it it definitely now seems to be like a prescient kind of film, in that so many people uh, are struggling to become middle class, and you or know, to realistically, stay middle class, stay middle class. <laughs> and and realistically, they're more like the working poor. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, my heart kind of went out to them. I, I felt bad for them, you know. Um, but, you know, what was really underlined everything in the film for me was this kind of empathy that you had for them as the director. Mm-hmm. That they weren't necessarily bad people; they were misguided people who did bad things. And well, once you take I, that big I step have a over, feeling, the, over, exactly, over the Rubicon, yeah, you know, yeah. it's uh, yeah. But I have and, a feeling and it was a thrill. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was yeah. fun in its way. They yeah. never killed anybody. He shot that one cop that was yeah. on their tail, and yeah. I, we met and interviewed that cop, the real guy. What did he tell He's, you? He said, you know, he said, I mean, they, you know, he just said he outsmarted me. I, there's no other way. I do wish the fucker <laughs> hadn't shot me, but I yeah. don't hate him. He said, I, I was coming up over the, over, there was a little, you know, we're in Illinois. They were in Illinois. They were running out in the, the up by the airport. And he was like making, they were making, he was, before she was with him, he was making his getaway after robbing a bank. And there was just enough of a bump of an incline so that he, he gunned it. And when he got over, he went into a three six a 180. And the and the police officer couldn't see him because you know there there was a bump in you know yeah. there was an elevation, and once he got over it he did a, a one eighty spin, jumped out with a with an automatic rifle when that when that officer came over the rise lit him he up. Said, he said Luke's not Luke but Erickson is there aimed right at his head, and he said he ducked, and and he said had he not ducked I mean the bullet went yeah he, wow. Erickson won a mark. The marks. Yeah, he was like a really good shot. Yeah, Yeah. and the cop got it in like the shoulder, and then he took off. So he he lived. He was okay. But he said, "Man, he said more than anything, I felt stupid, you know, because because he just like set me up and here, and there's nothing I can do about it." Oh man! So that brings us to wild things. And the myriad of stories connected to wild things. Right. Uh, well, you know, before, uh, before again, uh, wild things in normal life, I'm thinking of all these things now. There's so many 90s stars that you've, that you've directed, uh, from Luke Perry, Ashley Judd, as we mentioned, Denise Richards, Nev Campbell, uh, is Matt Dillon? He's more '80s, right? But still, I mean, '80s and '90s, well, and now, yeah. you know, he's still yeah, a star. I mean, there's just so I, 
And a cool guy, by the way. You don't you don't see them anymore. Is this normal for well, like when I was born no, into Matt, this generation Matt, of actors? You, know, and, you don't see Matt. You see much. Matt a little, but he, he doesn't need the money, and well, he does right. like art films. Though. I hate to say, you know, Matt's an, uh, Matt approached his uh, craft, his career as an artist, not as a. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He was he was groomed to be a movie star. He was as good looking as when he yeah. was young. Yeah. He was not just good looking. He was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he was being groomed. the flamingo kid. The flamingo I mean, kid. Yeah. He was being groomed for Hollywood, you know, mainstream A-list Tom Cruise movie star, and he just didn't. He's not. That's not. That who was he is. not his jam. It's not who know? he is. He's not, I used to see him at the art fairs, in, you know, Miami and stuff, and I I walked up to him and I said, you know, we have a good mutual friend, John McNaughton, and and he couldn't have been kinder, couldn't have been nicer, and. One of the funniest fucking guys I ever met in my life. Well, I didn't really, you know, he did we, we weren't, well, Wild Things was funny in its way, but I didn't really see his gift for comedy until uh, something about Mary. Oh, oh wow. yeah. I, I mean, he he, he really, <laughs> what? So he, was, yeah. he was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was saying things you can't say anymore, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I... I I love that movie, you know. Well, it's it's a Fairly Brothers movie, right? Yeah. That, or or, or you, were you our, our buddy about Earl Wild Brown thing, is in it too. Earl is the guy. Right. Don't touch his ears. Uh, yeah, don't fuck with his ears. So I don't... just watched I just watched Kingpin two nights ago. I love that, Kingpin. That's hilarious. Man. I love the landlady. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, the, nothing like a good crap after a, you have sex. Captain Hook. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I loved Bill Murray in Kingpin. You know, oh, I mean, spe- speaking of wild things, Bill Murray's kind of the secret weapon in that movie. Yeah, yeah. and had he been in it for any more scenes, he'd have stolen the whole fucking oh, movie. Yeah. But we went, you know, because that's there are no sympathetic characters in that movie except Daphne Rubin Vega. They're all just sharks, swim, swim, you know, trying yeah. to yeah. trying to eat each other. Especially Nev. I mean, yep. she winds up, you know, kind of winner yeah. takes all. You know. But uh, we had a, a line producer. Nine times out of ten, the line producer is my sworn enemy, trying to backstab and, and hamstring and every dirty trick, steal yeah. your wallet and everything else. Fortunately, on Wild Things, we had a guy named Rod Lieber who would fell on a thousand swords for me. He was just did a great job and protected me from the studio. And you know, his his reward was the studio fired him after the movie was shot. Oh, joy. But anyway, uh, we went to the first preview screening, and like I say, there's no sympathetic characters for me for you to attach to. Yeah, no shit. To speak of, uh, and everyone's a scumbag in the movie. And Ryan just turned to me and he said, "Thank God we have Bill in that movie." <laughs> yeah, to lighten it up a little. Yeah, because you know? he's not sympathetic either. No, you know? but, but he's fu- he's, he's terribly funny. Funny, <laughs> and the guy who is uh, wrestling the alligators. Oh, what's his Walter? Is his? He's done a lot of work since. Yeah, his then. wife was the local casting director. Very nice guy. The character's name was Walter, because before we, the original script was written by Stephen Peters, and it was a really fantastic plot. But the characterization and and the sense of place and other things it needed work. So I hired, I asked them to hire Kem Nunn. We're yeah. working for Peter Goober, and uh, they treated us really well. So sure, and then I asked them to send because I'd never been to South Florida, and uh, Kem Nunn had been sleep slept on the beach there one night when he was a kid driving, you know, roaming the country. So Peter, you know, all expense sent us down to South Florida for ten days to research, and. Uh, we found a place very much like that, the place where uh, Carrie Snodgrass ran, where Walter was wrestling yeah. the Gators, whatever you did. Go. And we modeled that place on the real place. And there was an older gal there. And there was a real Vietnam vet named Walter who was a Gator wrestler. And uh, he was very taciturn. How do you get talked into that fucking job? <laughs> he was. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to wrestle the alligator. You're going to wrestle the fucking dinosaur yeah. with uh, all the teeth. Well, you know? well, Walter was, you know, Vietnam. He, I think he suffered from severe post PTSD. Yeah. He was. Mm-hmm. He didn't talk much, but he loved doing the Gator Show. And uh, we, we were just—I mean, this guy was crazy. We were fascinated by him. So we wanted to actually. So we went back and worked on this. Went back to LA, worked on the script, and we got the script and we started casting. And anyway, we moved the whole production to back to Miami and started, you know, pre-production. And we wanted to use Walter 
the real Walter to play that role. Well, he'd had one of his fingers bitten off, and he could he couldn't do it. So we hired the we hired uh, the actor, and I can't remember Mark. I believe is his name. But he and, actually wrestled the well, gator. He, as a kid, he grew up in, in Miami. He said, "You know, all my friends, we all wrestled gators when we were oh, kids." Jesus Christ! <laughs> just, Jeez. You know? I thought I had ran with uh, a tough crowd. Yeah, <laughs> really. But as I say, his his wife was really nice. She was the local casting director in Miami, uh-huh. and he, you know, he was an actor, local actor, working out of Miami. I've seen him in a bunch of things he's since good. then. He's yeah, very yeah, good. He's and, very and the good fact actor. that he could wrestle gators was a real bonus. So this. this... <laughs> oh shit! Oh okay. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. The man just stomped on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. The uh, this now this is Denise Richards before BC before, before Charlie, Charlie yeah. oh yeah. wow she'd only had really one one uh, major picture which was uh, Starship Troopers oh okay yeah, I remember right. that yeah. that was good <clears throat> that was what's his name Verhoeven Paul Verhoeven and <clears throat> and fucking mean bugs that just fucking <laughs> ate people and chopped yeah. their heads off and yeah. shit yeah. It, it, does There's that movie... a really good nude scene, but it's with the other female lead who's like, I think, way hotter, you know. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't remember that movie, and I just remember now. Well, it the doesn't leading hold man up. was supposed it's... to be the new big star, Casper mm-hmm. Van Diem. Yeah. Oh, some, okay. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe I remember the fucker's name. <laughs> you insane. know. You know, they come, they go. Yeah, but. Um, and then you know Denise Richards blew up. I mean, wild things. Hey, I, I got I got her the job in, as the Bond girl. Oh no shit! Wow. I was staying at uh, Barbara Broccoli's house. Her friend Fred Zolo, her friend, her husband <laughs> Fred Zolo. I had made. He was uh, he's a producer, a big producer. He did Lansky with you, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, I was prepping Lansky. We'd f- finished Wild Things. I was prepping Lansky with Fred, and uh, Barbara was in London prepping a new Bond picture. And I was staying in their guest house in Beverly Hills. They had this insane house. Uh, and the, I was having breakfast with Fred in the big house one morning. And they the had phone, a pool? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the guest house was nicer than most people's, you know. Actual house, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the phone rang. It was Barbara. She, Barbara wants to talk to you. Like, what about what, Denise Richards? What about, you know? So she goes, well, we're, John, we're thinking about Denise Richards for the, for the Bond girl for our new picture. And I said, what do you think? I go, yeah, she should be great. What's, she, what, what's the character? What's she playing? She goes, a nuclear physicist. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> and I go, I go well, maybe, I, be maybe I spoke too soon. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then uh, I said, well, you know, they're, they're always uh, tongue-in-cheek, the Bond pictures. They're humorous. They're, you know. It's, yeah. So anyway, but they hired her to be the Bond girl. But I was, I had to recommend her. <clears throat> there you go, man. So now she's on Housewives of Beverly Hills. Just got hired on the. I've never seen it. I've what never is seen it? It's one of those reality shows. Like she's you know, not with Charlie Sheen anymore, no, no, right? No, yeah, no, 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 no. He's. I mean, he's completely lost it. I. He's. He's gone, right? I mean, he's. Has he still got a show? No, not that no, I know of. No, uh, no more I, anger management. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that. That's right. Oh, I guess I. Well, I, mean, I guess sadly, someone's willing was, to give sadly him something. Sadly, he was diagnosed with AIDS. Yep. And, oh God, uh, Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I mean, I imagine the whole Heidi Fleiss phone book uh, <laughs> is part of his history, no. you know, so. I don't know him, so. I don't I know him either, yeah. but uh, I'll tell you what. I will say this. The guy's a fine actor. Yes, he is. He's you know? a great actor. Yeah. Even on, on the show, what's your three and a half men? Or Two and a half men. He was good. He was playing himself, but he was yeah. great. He was he was amazing. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen him be good in other things. Yeah. I mean, and I remember the first time I saw him was uh, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Day Bueller, off. yeah. He's I mean, great just in a, that. Yeah. And he's got That's, like what five minutes in yeah, it? Yeah, but he he basically steals the show. I mean, he's he so... steals the scene from what's her name? Uh, nobody backs baby into a corner. The, uh, the, the Swayze movie. Oh, her. Uh, yeah, I don't know her name. name of the fucking <laughs> what, movie. Dirty Ferris Bueller's dirty sister. Dancing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's she was you know she was playing yeah. a little shit in. Uh, Ferris Bueller's I Day think she, I think she's so hot. I think she's hotter than the Sloan girl, and people will probably kill me for that. But I really, think she, yeah, I, I, I there's something so odd uh, about her that I think is so hot. I don't know why. Huh? Yeah. 
Very weird. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure I'm like very unpopular opinion here, but it's just... Yeah, Sloan was like, you know, special. You oh, know? she was. Yeah, she was great. She was beautiful, um, hot. But I mean, I I'm, I don't know. A lot of people love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm like, okay, it's funny enough movie. You know, a lot of people hate it too, because um, you know, especially Chicagoans, because they're like, yeah, that's Chicago for the suburbs and stuff like that. And yeah. then even suburban nights hate it because they're like, yeah, there's no cool suburban guy like that ever he goes if there was like that would have been the greatest thing ever for us but no there's not some cool suburban high school guy who's friends with everyone and is cool with everyone and can get out of every situation it doesn't exist and i, I guess to suburban people it rubbed them the wrong way well, well it's a, i've <laughs> never seen it it's a john oh, really isn't That's it a awesome. john hughes movie <laughs> yeah, or something i believe so I believe it is, but I've never seen it. What do you think of his movies? I mean, he made a great many very, very successful movies, and by all accounts was a terrific guy. He he knew how to make a commercial movie. Yeah. Boy. Totally. <clears throat> no kidding. Wish I did. <laughs> you just you make cult classics, man. I think that that might be you know that very might be often better. the the cash register is not reward works of art. Oh, you know, and you made great works of art, and they're going to stand the test of time. They already have. Yeah, man. So you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat this too much. You know, um, I, I know you've been working on developing uh, a good man is hard to find based on the Flannery O'Connor short story. And I hear you've got a commitment from Rooker to do it if it winds up yeah, going. Yeah, but the producer disappeared on me, so I have no idea what's going on. With well, it's project. not like he's the only fucking producer in the world. I he mean, owns the rights. He's the only producer. Oh, okay. In the world. <laughs> Damn. One guy can shit can everything, can he? Most projects don't get made. Yeah, you know, I was working with Bill Murray on this uh, thing called uh, counter counterfeit with the uh, other people, but. Bill Murray brought me the script, asked me if I would direct it. We had Bill Murray attached. He was also going to produce, be a producer. And we we ran that thing around for 12 years and couldn't get it made. No shit. And finally we got Bob Greenhut. Do you know who he is? He was yeah. Woody Allen's producer for the, maybe the first half of his career. Really a nice man. And went to Mike Metavoy, and we got them behind it. And then it took at least another year and a half. And they finally pieced together, finally, I mean, they crawled through broken glass. And then the writer who I shall not name, decided he wanted it back and he was going to have- What a fucking yeah, cunt. Well, you know, it's just the way it goes. I used to, those things used to upset me and it's just like- Hey, run the fucking guy over, man. You know, wait outside his house and- It's, it's, it's not Take that it. nice it's new just, Volvo you got and make a hood ornament out of that prick, <laughs> you know? Not worth the effort. Uh, you, like I say, stuff like that used to drive me crazy. Now it's just like that's the business. It's yeah. like people treat you rotten. You know, people are. Yeah. And uh, I don't. You know, we'll see what happens. Max, aren't you glad that we are thoroughly invested in this business now? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. <clears throat> well, I got to pick up a check from my agent today, so I, I was happy to show there you up. Go. And, yeah. 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 Uh, John, I had a question uh, about condo uh, painting and just yep. uh, George Condo. What what was that like? It, that was the most fun I ever had. Yeah, yeah. It it really. <laughs> How much good wine did you drink? Seemed like uh, you know, George won't dry, it won't touch a bottle of wine that costs less than three hundred bucks. Probably by now, less than a grand. Jesus. Uh, I, George is the biggest spendthrift I've ever met. The funniest, most fun guy. Uh, we had so He's much. A very fun. cool guy. You brought him. Over, he brought George over to the studio one day. Yeah, yeah. I I will. In the studio, uh, hung condo painting the poster forever. forever. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I stared at that thing all yeah. the time, and I was always, <clears throat> from the beginning, so confused what it was. It was, like, it was the craziest <laughs> fucking <laughs> documentary. You, you know, John, seen it was John directed this. I go, uh, and, you know, not knowing... I thought it was like a feature. I'm like, what is this? Is. Running it's from a, a red cloud? Yeah, and I, 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 yeah. no. It's, but what it is is it's a work of art. It's a collaboration between two knuckleheads getting away with murder, and it's insanely watchable. Yeah. It's we had yeah. more fun uh, making that picture. William Burroughs is in it. Where can anybody Alan see Ginsburg it? Alan Ginsberg is in it. I don't no. know. I have no idea. It was on. Uh, it's got to be on Netflix. It was or, on Netflix for a long time. Uh, because I know some people that I uh, friends of Kem Nunn's, Bill Barrich, who used to write for the New Yorker, and his uh, I don't know if they're married, but a girl from he he from Dublin. He moved to Dublin, and uh, 
they saw it in London uh, on Netflix and really loved it. But we just had nothing but, you know, when I, I told George at one point, point i said because we're having so much fun i was i was a camera person i was shooting so we yeah. might have one assistant or one of george's art assistants so we'd have one or two other people and the george's i think they're divorced now but his wife at the time helping us a little bit but it was mostly me and george and i just turned to george at one point i said when i went to film school i thought this was what filmmaking was going to be just yeah. a blast wow. you know yeah, just absolutely. non-stop fun you know it kind of <clears throat> it, it kind of demands like a follow-up I we mean, talked about because it. Because George Condo now. We talked about it. Um, you know, now he is a. Yeah, he's it. He is a blue chip artist, yep. you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kanye put him on a weird kind yep. of level there with well, his album cover. I mean, it's it's weird. Yeah, how... Kanye put him up, but, but George would have sooner or later. I mean, I, I again, agree. I would be standing there with this, with this little Sony home vid camera, which we shot the whole movie with almost. Yeah. And I'd be. Because it was so little and easy to, I would be like working three inches from his brush and just filming the brush strokes. And I would watch him work and I go, it was like, you know, they said with Picasso's father was an artist. And, and when, once he saw when his kid was 11, he, saw, he showed, he gave you know, his paints. he quit. Yeah. yeah, he quit. He said, no, I he handed over his paints. Are you kidding me? I'd never heard this story about Picasso. That's insane. So with George, just watching George work. Uh, I was like, wow, I, you know, yeah. I, I love to be, you know, to do art and I went to art school mm. and all this, but it's just, I, I'm putting down the pencil at this point because I'm never going to do this. Yeah. I mean, his, 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 his ability with paint, his yeah. affinity and, uh, His paint. ability with drawing. Yeah. You That's know? so I mean, weird. I like, think just this conduit from- Probably you know, watching you made me put down the pencil. <laughs> oh, God man, damn I it. hope that's not true. <laughs> no, no, but- uh, You made some cool drawings No, no, I actually- I, I liked them very I, much. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I looked you back know, at my stuff when I was- You know, your sister made some cool drawings. I yeah, when I was seriously them. doing it, I, I there's stuff I like. I, I there was stuff that had a lot of potential, but um, no, I re- no, I remember why I didn't want to do that. I I loved filmmaking, and then also, Amen, man. um, just I went to an art. I shadowed at that art school, Academy of the Arts, and all those kids in that program were just so just bummerific. Oh, dipshit. Like, yeah. just like, oh, yeah. cool, yeah. okay, see ya. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know. I don't know. think art school is a substitution George for wouldn't, high George school. Kondo wouldn't go to art school. His parents, mm-hmm. uh, you Neither know. Neither would Tony. <laughs> yeah, his parents tried to, he, he went to, his because his father was a math professor at UMath. Yeah. And his mom was a nurse, really nice people. And, they, and they're from Lowell, Massachusetts. Lowell, Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. Where Kerouac is from. Yeah. And that's how we connected to the whole, because George was friends with all the, you know, uh, the Sampas family, who were uh-huh. the first wife that was, no, it was the second wife, was uh, a Sampas. Yeah, was her. And, and from Lowell, Mass. But anyway, his, you know, his parents, his dad was an academic. He wanted him to go to school. George studied music for two years and dropped out. Never would he, he refused to study art because he didn't want to be, you know, straight jacketed with their stuff. But he was in a band called The Girls that I used to hear on. They had a hit song. It was XRT used to play back in the like late 70s. Oh, no shit. <clears throat> he was really good. He played the lute and he was good. That's not an easy instrument. No. You know, I, I, I remember uh, when I first got to New York, he, he was on the rise and, um, uh, everywhere you looked, you saw Kondo, you know, and um, some of the blue chip artists uh, of the day, you know, kind of regarded him as a, you know, an upstart, yep. a uh, <laughs> smart aleck, and you know, uh, you know. And well, then he went off to Paris. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't want to get caught up in the whole that particular. Oh man, I don't blame him. That million. That, yeah, yeah. That moment. Uh, but he never he never bothered kissing the rings. You right. know, he just wouldn't do it, you know. And uh, I remember seeing his work and thinking, man, there's something else going on here, <laughs> you know. And then when after you'd made uh, the movie and you had the painting, the poet, which you know, John, you ever drag that thing down to Sotheby's? That's that's a two or three million dollar painting. Well, I mean, that's that's the shit. You know. you know, I figure I'm hanging <laughs> on to that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Cool. Yeah. I'd sell the Calder first because the Calder. You've got a pretty yeah. cool collection. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, that, that Calder would also go 
again. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it here in case anyone, you know, I like to keep that <laughs> oh, yeah. on the down yeah. low. Okay. <laughs> These guys are going to be like, what's his address? I'll just say, I'll just say that you've been, you've been a very judicious and smart collector. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I will say that, that the art collection has been, I mean, I, I have never sold anything. But uh, I, if things get squeaky... I know. I I always I think, well, if things get tough, I can. I would never sell any man collection. I love it. You know. I mean, John, you went to U of I for art school for art. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. What, what was that? What was that like? It was pretty. Well, you know, I made some great friends there. Yeah, uh, I, in the school, but the 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 actual art program was. You know, you're in a cornfield. Like, yeah. These, again, the old thing. Frank the, Gallo, right? Well, Frank Gallo was a separate issue. Yeah. Frank Gallo had been. You know, uh, teaching at uh, U of I, and you know, making a living, et cetera, et cetera. And they weren't. And then he started doing those white nudes, and then Hefner grabbed, picked up yeah, on him, exactly. Playboy, boom! Next thing you know, he won the Venice Biennale. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Frank Gallo. So the university, you know, he left the university just to work, and he was making a ton of. And the university offered him a deal to come back and take over the graduate sculpture department. And so basically, he would just hire, he would just bring in students that like to ride motorcycles, <laughs> and they would go out bar hopping on motorcycles together. And, yeah, you know, he just oh, kind of had fun. I with think it. that's actually a good way to teach art yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. so personally, I just think get the fuck out of the way. But you know, again, being from from. Roseland and being my parents were whom they were. Uh, they, you know, first of all, my father didn't want me to go to art school. So, yeah. so but the University mm-hmm. of Illinois in those days was very, you know, it, it, it was, I think it was $300 a semester for tuition oh, no shit, and $400 really? for room and board. So I could make that working in the steel mill in the summertime. You mm-hmm. know, I could cover my expenses working a summer job and, uh, but I did make so many friends there that are my friends today and yeah, went yeah. down there with a couple people from Fenger who are my friends today. Uh, and uh, I didn't – I wasn't – you know, I we just had fun. Those were the yeah, days. No, yeah, no doubt <laughs> of, a fun days. time. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. What was your uh, grade point average when you graduated? <laughs> well, I kind of had to leave after two years. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah, I came back to Chicago in total disgrace. From as far as my, I lost, I I bought a Triumph motorcycle off one of the graduate student teachers, yeah. and I lent it to a friend who was from the East Side. He was an iron worker, but he was going to school, and, and he crashed it immediately or destroyed it. And oh, I was stuck with the note, the payments, and I lost my driver's license. So when I came back to Chicago, my father was just like, wouldn't talk to me. I enrolled in Columbia College. I was living in my parents in South Holland, a place I really detest. And uh, having to take the South Suburban Red Bus from 168th Street to Lake, you know, but that was when Columbia was at Lakeshore Drive. Yeah, in yeah, Illinois. Yeah. So I have to take that bus every day. Oh, and I was just, fuck. you know, and work at, I'm always working at Pullman Bank in the print shop. So I was, you know, I was just like, it was a horrible time in that my life. That sounds like a grind. It was a horrible time. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. And my father and I were just, you know. Oh, yeah. You're a bum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should go back to bum town. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, yeah, my, my years from like 17 years old to like 22 were just. A morass of ever uh, widening, uh, more disastrous failures, you know, <laughs> culminating in driving through a house, you know, and uh, oh man, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I I understand that milieu very well, you know. Um, so I, anyways, uh, my father wouldn't let me have long hair like everybody, like I'd had at U of I, and every all my friends had everything. So I. Got a pair of scissors and gave myself the first punk haircut in Chicago. I just chopped it all spiky. My father, your hair's sticking up. Your hair's sticking. Up. And I go, that's <laughs> yeah, the way I like I it. I dig it. And so I go to Columbia College. Everyone's got long hair. I got my Cabretta from the South Side. I got my my pointy, you know, beetle boots on. I got I'm, and I got this haircut that nobody knows what it is. Exactly. And I was just completely antisocial at, at Columbia. No, College. not you, <laughs> not you. And I, you know, I had almost no friends. Uh, I, I was, I, but it was a good. But the photo, but the yeah. st- the photography department there was great. And Still that's, is, yeah. And that's Still that's is. what. Even though I was a television production major, that was my joy. Uh, and my yeah. uh, my father did. He got me the ex drummer in my rock and roll band in high school. The Buttes. The, his the, the drummer's dad was a Chicago police photographer, 
uh-huh. Mr. Drouse. Uh, and interestingly, I'm going to have a, I'm going to go aside when Larry Drouse, the drummer, uh, eventually, you know, he ran away from home and did all this bad stuff. But eventually, he ran out of you know options, and he, his dad took him back in, and he eventually cleaned up and got a job as a sheriff's cop. And he did that for many, many years well, ago. And about five or six years ago, Larry Drouse and his son got popped for uh, going into business with the cigarette scalpers, and they both, both the father and the son, went to prison. Like, for fucking cigarettes? Yeah. Well, they were they were both police officers. The son was a, sh- sh- a sheriff's cop, too. Why did, uh, yeah. So, so they were, you know, but they were cops. It's dude, not like they're- this is Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, they were suburban. So anyway, Larry Drouse- How long did they go for? Like two years. Holy shit, they dropped- <laughs> they uh, I haven't seen Larry. They must have fucking I, cigarettes. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. They, oh, yeah. two years- well, they, No, they took payoffs. Two years they in took their payoffs. Oh, okay. From the sellers. So anyway. Oh, so they they, they yeah. went for bribery. They didn't go for yeah, selling yeah, yeah. cigarettes. No, but they went for taking bribes say, from the dropped, cigarette scalpers, the, you know, the tax evaders. They dropped the fucking jail on these guys, you know? But Larry Drouse's dad found uh, uh, there's a roll of flex and then there's a roll of cord. Roll of cord's like a stripped down cheap roll of flex. Yeah. Still a great camera. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. found one used for thirty bucks, and it was it was marked out. It was it was an older camera, but it, it was missing like one shutter speed, like a, a one tenth of a second, mm. which you rarely use. So I, you know, I scraped up the thirty and, and bought this roll of roll of cord. And that was a great camera, and uh, it was just having grown up in Chicago and being familiar with the streets and the people on this. Me and Bruce Quist, who just used to go yeah. out, we go to the truck stop out at 159th Street yeah, and yeah, photograph yeah. the truck drivers. We go, you know, on the streets on the south side and we just photograph the people and have pose people. And, and uh, you know, by the time I got to make Henry Port of a Serial Killer, it was just like I already knew my locations. Mm-hmm. You, you know, know you, you know, that's an, it's interesting that you say that because I remember uh, talking to Jonathan Demi and I said, you know, I wouldn't mind trying to direct a film sometime. How how would I start? He goes, take a lot of stills. That was that was his. Yeah, well, you learn cameras, you learn lenses. Precisely. Yeah, location. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, lenses. He has a very nice way with Max. Uh, has a very nice way with the camera. I'm. I need much room for improvement in that area. I feel like. I feel like I. I feel like I'm very ADD when it comes to filmmaking and stuff. You know, I at school I was very ADD. I was I was editing a lot. I was directing a lot. I was writing a lot, and those those kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. But then I completely found myself neglecting like lighting and and cinematography at that. So. Well, then you get a, a yeah, yeah. Everybody's got their strength yeah. and weaknesses. Totally, totally. Well, you you your really great strength, and I was in a couple of your short films. Uh, is you're really good with actors. Yeah, you know? that's and, that's um, yeah. Uh, I'm that's glad you. I, I was on Jennifer on. Reeder's new film, uh, which is a teen goth noir, and uh, man, it's gorgeous to look at. You know, and I, and at some point, I'm going to make sure that you and her meet. You guys should know each other. Um, Who shot it? Uh, Chris Rahano. I don't know Chris Rahano. He he shot uh, part of the first season of Patriot. He was um, he was on camera and uh, he shot uh, signature move for her film that kind of was her breakout thing last year. Was he nominated in the <clears throat> yeah. Midwest Film yep. Festival? Did he win? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But he's uh, he's an amazing guy. Cool. I mean, he's he's a guy who someday you guys should know each other. You know, um, but. Uh, you know, on her set, it was a lot like your set or your set. I mean, they run a tight ship, but everybody still has a really good time, and there's no big stress or no, you know, there's no temper tantrum, there's no bullshit. You know, I mean, I, I was very, very impressed, you know. Um, plus, I loved this part. I'm not going to say too much about it because I, w- I want the film to come out and. Speak for itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'll, I'll talk to you after the podcast, but, um, but it's interesting that you mentioned you took so many still shots, because I honestly think that every really, really great director, I think that's kind of part well, of the Kubrick way that started. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Kubrick. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kubrick he was a real master of the camera. About, <clears throat> about absolutely, you know, at but the top in, of it. 
you know, he was doing what they now call photojournalism yeah. too. You well, know? he was. He what, wasn't he working for like a, a women's magazine? He, no, he's working for Look magazine. Look magazine, which was, okay, okay. Which was yeah, the which competitor was kind of the, to Life. That, well, oh, those, okay. those were just photo magazines. Yeah, and they know? were okay, they gotcha, were kind gotcha. of top of the heap. Yep. American culture magazines. Yep. That's what mm -hmm. everybody had a Life magazine or yep. a Look magazine or both of them. And the greatest, on the, the greatest table. photographers worked for those magazines. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Art Shea, yep. for years, uh, worked for Life magazine, mm -hmm. you know. Um, do, do either of you guys ever go to the old camera shop in the loop there? Uh, I think it's Central Photo or... It's over, yeah. I, Helix? I have, on Wabash. I, yeah, I, I took a picture of it uh, a couple years ago after... What's the name of that fucking place? Oh, God, you know, do you know that website that has the... the the, the golden age of advertising. Oh, yeah, yeah. I put in a, a yeah. shot of that camera shop. We were walking, we after the premiere screening of, uh, what's the name of my last picture? The Harvest. The Harvest. <laughs> yeah. We were, Shannon and me and Steve Jones and uh, Stephen Lancelotti, the writer, and, and Jerry mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Meadow were walking around the corner to go to some restaurant that Shannon hung around with when he went to DePaul. That he used to hang out in. They had his picture on the on the wall when he was like mm -hmm. seventeen. It was, <laughs> it was weird to see him at that age. But we walked by Central Camera, I believe. Yeah, it is. Central Camera. And I, it was so gorgeous with the old Kodak sign next to neon. I took, sign, I took pictures know? of it. It was just so beautiful. And I've, camera I've been, shops are they're a dying breed because I know you know one of their main staples was rolls of film. That's what yeah. kept the the rent paid. Yeah, and it's going it's going away. There are no rolls yeah. of film. Nobody's yeah. buying. I mean, there are, but. You know, it's probably one percent of what it yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, like like Polaroid doesn't make the film anymore. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I went to Helix uh, Photography. I, I I don't know if that's still around. I think I don't know. Yeah, I went in there and uh, the guy actually went to Columbia. He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, you go to Columbia, young man. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I go right now. I'm a sophomore or something. And he's like, oh yeah. He goes, man. He goes. Ask the the old teachers about that that dark room. He goes, stuff went down in that dark room. That dark room was scandalous. <laughs> and my mom's right next to me. She goes, oh, okay, uh, we got to yeah. go. Oh, great. Oh, great. <laughs> well, it's like film I'm processing. I'm sending my son to yeah. sex school. <laughs> film, proce film processing laboratories. There are almost none left. I mean, motion picture yeah. film. Yeah. Here in Chicago, we had Astro, which was a great lab. Yeah. And we had cinema processors, which went down first, where they used to give the Columbia students discounts. Oh, uh, those places. Are well, bad. you know, now I mean, a, a great, and I think all the filmmaking is going to eventually go this way with the high def video because the technology is catching up with it. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it, I don't know what you know. Film is kind of like vinyl now. I mean, even in two thousand, there will always be fetishes. Yeah, there, for it. even yeah. in two thousand thirteen, two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, whenever we we had, we uh, were shooting the harvest, that we, we shot film still. But there used to be photo. What were the two big? I don't even remember. Technicolor and Panavision. No, was I forget the other big lab? But they used to be like Ford and Chevy. They merged. Yeah. They merged in New York. That'd be like Ford and Chevy merging. Which, the way things are going, they could, you know, for American cars. <laughs> the way but things are going, they better. I think it was photo, photochem and. Uh, and Technicolor, but yeah. you know they they couldn't, and and now I think that lab's closed. I, I might wow. be wrong because there's almost no place left to process motion picture film, cinema huh. film. So sad, so sad. I to, like I like digital, but uh, well, I always dreamed has, of kind of yeah. working with film one day. I like one thing I like. I mean, I'm I have no enemy of digital by any means, and, right? But one thing I I do like about film is the discipline of it because it yeah. costs a lot of money. Absolutely, yeah. it makes so you it's like it harder. teaches yeah. you an economy yep. of elements. Yep. Action, oh yeah, action cut. It's not just let oh let it keep rolling yeah. and, right. and <laughs> fiddle around for yeah. a while. It's right. like psh, cut over next. Let's go. You know, I, 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 again. Uh, all of the really amazing directors I've worked with, they usually get it four or five takes, maybe. Yeah, that, you know, when that, I hear these stories yeah, about the like David Fincher or, doing yeah, Fincher. 120 having takes. Jake Gyllenhaal do 70 fucking takes, is like, what I the can't fuck even, is I wrong can't even with that? That, that idea, the, you know, you, you push the actor till they make a breakthrough. To, oh, you know, to this yeah. other like, universe. They just, yeah. just push them till you wear them out, yeah. until they're angry and cranky. And I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, when you push to 50, 60 takes, you use take three. I, yeah, you, yeah, usually, yeah. you yeah. usually use got, the first. Jonathan Demi always said, you know... It's in the first five, or uh, you hired just, the wrong fucking actor. You, you have know? a you have a nightmare take story, right? Because I have a nightmare take story. You you were with a kid, right? 
and the kid's going over curfew, and you had to like pull the director aside and say something? Oh, yeah. This was on an independent film. Um, and it, there's a dinner scene, and uh, <clears throat> it just, you know, once we were in 18, 19 takes, I mean, the kid was working beyond the, the hours the kid was supposed to yeah. work. And cranky and stuff, and, and the actors were so beginning to... And I pulled him aside and I said, look, I know you make your living as an editor, and I know you're, you're crazy for coverage, but I guarantee you whatever you wanted, you have it. You're wearing your cast down. Yeah. And you're making me very impatient. Yeah. And I know damn, damn well, I don't even have to look at the dailies, I know damn well that five or six of those, you got what you needed from me. Yeah, I, I got worn out one day and the director's my buddy i go dude i feel high right now i I was like i am so why how many did you do i couldn't even remember but it it was it was like it got to the point where i was like dude this this isn't working or something well there are guys who subscribe to kubrick was one of them oh yeah yeah oh totally I mean, I, I honestly, you know, I mean, this, this torture. is just my temper. Torturing yeah. the actors. You know what? Yeah, I that's just what, told them, hey, you know what? what fuck you. We're done here. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's gratuitous and it's, it's hey, look at me. I'm, I'm the alpha dog here. Yeah. I just don't know how you dig yourself out of that, that hole with the 77th take. It's just like, what, what, <laughs> no. what are you going to do? At, no. at that point? And, then, you and then when you go to do your next uh, shot, it's like, am I going to have to do 77 takes again? I mean, like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> or, or you think about, should I show up tomorrow? You know, I mean, you do think that. Anyway, you know what? This has been a joy having you and promise us that you'll come back sure. and do more with us. <clears throat> Excuse um, me. Uh, you are absolutely one of the artists I look to as an example, uh, as an archetype of what an artist should be. So, John McNaughton, Same thank here. you for sharing your life with well, us. Well, thank you, and I hope to be back. You will be you back. Will. You're not that lucky that you right. won't be. <laughs> I'll bring the beer next time. All right, kid, right kid, take us out. Cool. Thank you, John McNaughton. All right, thank you, guys. Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning into our 46th episode, sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery and the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. We are currently showing A Gift from Elaine by Massage Washington at Adventureland Gallery. Want to catch up on old episodes? Have any burning questions for Max or Tony? Then go to themaxandtonyshow.com and tune in next time for our 47th episode, which will be the one-year anniversary. Woo!